Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage Podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Welcome back to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast focusing in on teamwork, leadership, and culture. I'm your host, Greg Gregory, and today we're joined with a very exceptional person with a very exceptional topic, something that has fascinated me for many, many years, and that is emotional intelligence. It's kind of fascinating to learn about it. I've studied human behaviors for a long time, and so we get into this, and the power behind EQ is going to be something we want to talk about today. By listening to the Teamwork Advantage, we know you're not average, so Stay tuned. Let's have some fun and find out how we can use this episode in your personal and your professional life. Today, EQI, coach and founder, executive coach and author of Emotion at Work, Unleashing the Secret Power of Emotional Intelligence, Roberta's EQ journey began when she was working as a licensed marriage and family therapist in North Carolina. After learning about Dr. Reuben Baron's research in the role of emotional intelligence in success, she began to notice that professionals who came to her seeking help for personal problems almost always needed help with their careers as well. And that's fascinating because that's the crossover that we look for here on the Teamwork Advantage. If they're having troubles communicating with their spouse or loved one or even children, she found they were also likewise having trouble communicating with a boss, direct reports, or colleagues at work. With this discovery, she realized the power of EQ skills had to transform their lives and help people across industries, both personal and professional success. Roberta's work has earned more than 2020 Enterprising Women of the Year Award one of the most prestigious recognition for women business owners, as well as the 2020 Global Women World Female Achievers Champion of the Year. And she's also a Forbes Council of Coaches where her articles appear on a monthly basis. Roberta Moore, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. Thank you, Greg, for the warm welcome. I appreciate it. It's fun to be here. That's great. We're going to have a little fun today. I want to learn a little bit more. One of the great things about hosting the Teamwork Advantage is I hear so many different people from so many different areas, and EQ is something that's really been on the top of my list for a long time. Tell me a little bit about how you got there. We, in your introduction, we talked about uh, being a therapist, and so obviously we get that from the social work side, but how did, you, how did you get there? How did you move yourself all the way to where you are today? Well, thank you for asking, Greg. I, I do like talking about this. What if I told you, and I'll throw you a curveball, I came to it first by being a CPA. That probably is going to throw a big curveball, right? <laughs> Definitely then, a little different. It's not, the most, it's not the biggest curveball I've had, but yes. So if we go even further back, and I, I guarantee this is relevant, it has to do with the way I grew up in my family. Mm -hmm. I, I was a budding therapist and a budding psychologist when I was like 12 years old or something like that. However, and, and I grew up in a family where my mother especially was extremely critical and my father didn't always stop her in her tracks, but I was her, as the oldest daughter, I was kind of her target sometimes. Of, and so I became a perfectionist 
And because my father was a CPA and, and I became a people pleaser at that time, I'm, I'm not now, but I became that way, wanting their approval. So I studied hard, got good grades, and I tried to be just like my father and become a CPA. And even though I could do that work, to me, it was like I specialized in tax returns and it was like putting the pieces of a puzzle together. I can't say that it really warmed my heart. So staying in that career, I floundered a little because I wondered why I wasn't personally fulfilled. So then I, I went in, I started doing business development for the CPA firms in which I worked. But back then, Greg, way back then, that was not actually that wasn't a carved out career like it is today. Today, they have full-time business development people. Back then, I had to do both. The billable, chargeable hours, as well as bring new people into the firm. Anyway, along those lines, I sought out a therapist for myself, not because I was smart enough to go get one, but because a girlfriend of mine suggested that I could benefit from seeing her therapist. And what I found out was how it dramatically changed my life. It so dramatically changed my life that, because I, I had trouble just with relationships with men. I'm really going into personal background here, but I think you're interested. And we will listen all the way through on this personal side. I'm gonna speed it up. I'm sure it's the reason I met and married my husband. And then we had to move. And when we moved to this place in the South, there were only two female CPAs and he's, and I didn't want to be the third. <laughs> so he said, Roberta, you're so interested in, in therapy and you're so interested in psychology. Why don't you just go back to school and change your career? And he had a good idea. So I did some investigatory work and you know, licensed marriage and family therapist, which is what I am now, that, that was not easy to find, but doing some investigative research work, I knew that I, I was systems oriented anyway. So in systems theory, we say if one person in a family, or this could be a team, this could be a okay. business team, right. if one person has an issue, everybody has an issue because that one person's behavior is gonna affect everybody. And then everybody in responding to that one person will affect that person's behavior. Right. It's fascinating because it's what I would simply refer to as a snowball effect. Yes, it's a snow, or snowball effect is great, yes. Mm -hmm. But so, I also, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I also relate it to dancing. Think okay. of two people dancing one leads one follows and if you're not if that person's leading and you're not following you could be doing your own dance step but then you wouldn't be in sync and so if one person the person leading if they change let's say you're dancing the waltz and then they they decide to dance the foxtrot you're either left back here dancing the waltz by yourself or you learn then you you you, flex. you learn to adapt and flex and you learn to dance the waltz that's, that's, that's an amazing analogy on that because I often use the, the concept of that within teams in the business place, how they have to be in sync between different teams getting the goals accomplished. So that's just fascinating. So how did you move from family therapy work into the, the coaching that you do today, focusing in on EQ? And then of course, how does EQ impact both personal and professional lives? Great question. Thank you, Greg. I love answering it. So I ended up missing, you know, I had, I started my own company 20 years ago. This is my anniversary year. So I'm excited about that. 
<laughs> and I, I missed using my business brain and I attracted a lot of professionals my way. And I would inevitably find out, you know, if they were, let's say they came to me because their spouse or their child said they lacked emotional expression, that the person was hard to reach or they were cold or maybe too detached. Then upon further questioning, I'd find out that people at work thought they were unapproachable as well. So I wanted to work on both sides of the equation. Mm -hmm. And it was really important to me. We were we were going to be moving back here to St. Louis where I had more, it was an opportunity, Greg. It was an opportunity, I thought, to figure out how could I bring psychology skills or therapy skills into the workplace without a stigma. It can't be therapy because that's unethical. But what would be the right vehicle to, to help do that? And that's still, I'm sure even today, a bit of a challenge with some people because they think emotions at work. No, we're here to work. We're not here to be counselors. That's correct. You're, you're correct. And when I do my webinars and, and my speaking engagements, I love to tell people if we had no emotions, our emotions have more power in shaping our behaviors than do our thoughts. If we had no emotion at all, we'd probably all be just sitting on a couch being, uh, you know, vegging out. But it's our emotions that power us, that fire us up. That's fascinating. I, I'm, I'm fascinated with the fact that the emotions have more power than our thoughts. Yes, they do. That, that, that's, that's amazing when we think about that. Now, draw the correlation, if you can, of an example of something going on at home. Is, is it just the EQ or is it the behaviors that, that are going on at home that affect work or vice versa? Or is it just a general broad brush of EQ in that situation? Okay, another great question. Let me, let me use my model. The model that I'm okay. certified in and that I use is called the EQI 2.0 and it's owned by MHS Incorporated in Canada. And one of the reasons I chose this model is because it's actually quite scientific and rigorous and it's structured. There are 16 different emotional intelligence skills that can be learned by anyone at any age at any time. So for my example, I'm gonna pick emotional expression. And in my mind, I'm thinking of a client that I've had. So let, let's say, so emotional expression is your ability to communicate and we call it meta communication. So it's the tone of your voice. I know you're very uh, gifted at using your voice. Tone of your voice, look on your face, your posture, if you're leaning back or leaning forward. Yep. If you're talking, I always on Zoom talk with my hands and I rev it up, you know, because we don't have as many, you know, in, on Zoom, we've only got our top half. We don't get to see the whole body. So this one client was having trouble in his marriage, and I, I would say that was the presenting issue with a lack of emotional expression. Uh, the wife couldn't tell how he was feeling, and he was stuffing all of his emotions. And then the only emotion he felt comfortable with was displaying anger. So, you know, he, he'd be angry at home. And of course, his wife wasn't feeling very close to him. And then upon you know, further investigation, well, how does that affect you at work? Oh, at work, you know, people think I'm unapproachable. 
people hang back. So he wasn't as productive. He wasn't as efficient. He wasn't as influential at work. So one of the exam, one of the exercises, because I'm all about building your EQ skills to okay. change your life. The exercise I gave was, uh, and he's an engineer, so this uh, uh, appealed to him, a spreadsheet, make an Excel spreadsheet. And three times a day, you can set an alarm on your phone. Let's do eight, 12, and five, just for the sake of conversation. Set an alarm on your phone. I asked him to stop what he was doing, to write down on his spreadsheet what he was doing, and then to write down how he felt. And he didn't understand feelings at first. So we had to do mad, sad, glad, or scared, because those are the four basic feelings or emotions. You know, and then and then try to get in touch with your feelings. And then after we did that for maybe three months, he started to be able to know what he was feeling in the moment when he was feeling it. And then that, Greg, is the skill of emotional self-awareness. And then, of course, I use the term a lot that awareness brings effectiveness. So once we become aware of something, we can become more effective at it. Absolutely, because Dr. Steven Stein, who owns this model now, has mm-hmm. proven through his research that as you raise your EQ, you're, it's the three Ps. You're more productive, profitable, and personally fulfilled. So in this model, you know, going back to my, chi- my early days in my career, I wasn't considered successful in this model because I wasn't personally fulfilled by what I was doing. Now I am. <laughs> now I'm very fulfilled in what I'm doing. So it's okay. really having higher EQ has really enriched my life. So those three P's again were productive, profitable, and personally fulfilled. Correct. Okay. And then the four, that's for people that are, so they don't have to hit the back button on their Spotify account here. Uh, the, the four primary emotions you mentioned were mad, glad, sad, and mad, sad, glad and scared scared yes see i was scared i'd forget that one (laughs) interesting so let's talk about how we do this as far as teams and in the workplace today what kind of uh, i I, I laugh because emotional intelligence it's called eq i want to go ei all the time you can it's the same thing so emotional intelligence ei is for emotional and intelligence eq is just a play on intellectual quotient you can do emotional quotient and then you know mhs does eqi because that's Mm -hmm. it's the it's both (laughs) So in the business with teams and managers and leaders, and keeping in mind that we've got people on the podcast that are listening that range from frontline people all the way up through senior level executives and CEOs, what what are the top skills? What are the EQ traits that are really needed here in business today? So one of the one of the studies that Dr. Steven Stein did, and I believe it was with 76. CEOs, he wanted to do a correlation study with his 16 EQ skills to see what, if any, correlate with the CEOs who are the most profitable, those who had the most to the bottom line. And I came up, there's three of them, and I came up with an, I guess you call it an acronym, ACE, Mm A-C-E, so I could remember it. A would be for assertiveness, C would be for confidence, and E would be for empathy. So 
And I think that could extend to anybody who is a leader, at least in my opinion, it does. Because if you can be firm yet soft at the same time, firm yet compassionate, and, and when somebody feels appropriately, appropriately confident, that doesn't mean egotistical. It means you know mm -hmm. what you're good at, but you also know what you need to get better at. And given the two, you accept yourself and you feel comfortable in your own skin. Okay. Then you can better relate to other people. Okay. We know that those are top, those are three skills that are absolutely necessary in business. Okay. Now you said that was with the CEO. So we're talking at the, the high level. Yes. Does that transition or change as we go through the organization? I, I don't know that there's research about that, but people need to be good and balanced. That's the key here to be in balance in all the 16 EQ skills. So for instance, if somebody, okay, I'll use me as an example. When I was younger and I was back in public accounting, when I would get my results reviews and I'm not making this up and it happened at more than one firm, I was told I wasn't, I didn't look and act serious, serious enough. I was told I was too happy. I was too bubbly and that I liked to talk to people too much. And they said, can't you tone it down and act like a CPA? And I said, well, what does a CPA act like? And they said, it's somebody who keeps their head down <laughs> at their desk wow. and does their work. So in those days, though, I will say I was too, I was probably too emotionally expressive and too empathetic when I didn't have the balance in the assertiveness. So the assertiveness is taking initiative and, and, and I wasn't standing up for what I believed in as much. And so I didn't come across as strong. I came across as a little too probably Pollyanna-ish. Okay. And so I've worked really hard to balance both those things out. Speaking now, as you just woke, spoke from yourself, I know that I sometimes get come across the same way. And then all of a sudden something can happen and I get to be just so laser focused on something. Boom, boom. And all of a sudden my niceties go out the window. I'm, does that happen? Is that part of the EQ process? Or is there something somebody can do to really practice that a little bit more? You can absolutely practice it because of course we're all human. Of course that can happen in a high EQ strategy. We call that a trigger. I think what you're talking about is a trigger. And mm -hmm. that's when, you know, we've got this amygdala part of the brain. I'm sure you've heard of it. Fight, oh, fight or flight, fight, freeze or fix. We EQ, a lot of EQ is about calming that amygdala down. So if you want a good definition of EQ, this is my personal definition. I think of EQ as a deck of cards. Each card in the deck is a different emotion. We can shuffle the deck and have control over it instead of, you know, a card just flying out of the deck, you know, uh, willy nilly. Okay. So, so if you get triggered, and you're in fight, flight, freeze, or fix, you can take three deep breaths. No one even knows you're doing that, right? You're just, you're having a pause. But three deep belly breaths will reset your autonomic nervous system, and it's guaranteed to calm you down. Other people sometimes count to 10. You could do both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to respond, 
you are in, let's say you're in, you're, be, you're able to contain, manage, control how you respond. So you'll be responding instead of reacting and you'll be more powerful. You, you'll be more empowered. I love the respond versus react. It goes back to one of my mentors, Zig Ziglar, used to use that analogy a lot. And he says, when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, your body's having a reaction to the medication, it's negative, but your body's responding to the medication, it's positive. And yes. that was, that's how I've always been able to remember the difference between respond and react. That's a great analogy. I had not heard that before, but I, I've heard Zig Ziglar speak, but it's been a while. <laughs> well, he's, he's, been, he's been gone from us for nine years now. Ah, uh, okay. But... Um, He's still got his website going. So that's also powerful. They've got the family kept it going. What Excellent. I'm finding fascinating is understanding how, how we can do that. So how can we, I guess I want to know, how can I learn more about where my EQ balance is out of whack? I mean, there are 16 of them. I mean, I don't think we got the time to go through all 16 emotions here in this little <laughs> podcast, but is there a place that people can go to find some of this real quickly? And so they can at least begin the exploration part. You know, I tried to do that once when I, I mean, I was passionate about all of them and I did a one day workshop for a corporation and I tried to do all 16 and I, I think I was putting people to sleep. So yeah. now I just pick out the ones that are most pertinent to the industry. I, you, you know, the best way to know which one of these that you're, that you're strong at and which of these you're not as strong at is of course to take the EQI 2.0, which is an online assessment. There's 133 different questions. And when you take it, you will absolutely um, know, you'll get a metric, a numerical score because we'll take your answers, your self-report answers and compare them to a norm group of 4,000 professionals of different ages. And if you happen to be in North America, which I suppose your listeners are, we can compare it to how other professionals have answered those questions in North America. And then in the leadership report, we take a second norm group, the top 50% of a sample size of 200 uh, C-suite leaders in diverse industries. And then you know where your goal is, like where you'd wanna be where they are, right. right? That would make sense. It gives you your map where to go. It gives you your map where to go. So mm -hmm. when I'm coaching with somebody, I often do this at the beginning of the engagement and then again at the end of the engagement so we can see progress. I mean, how, how nice to have a metric. Yes. Now, just FYI, you, you talked about North America. We do have people listing literally in 39 different countries from around the world. Okay. So this can be measured in other countries as well. Correct? Absolutely. So this has been translated into 33 different languages. Okay. And the assessment has been taken in 154 different countries. Okay. I just happen to be in the United, you know, in the United States. As I have I. one, one international client right now, but um, so, so you can go to the MHS 
Incorporated website. You can go to my website. I have all the 16 skills and their definitions posted on my website, as well as a free, people can download it for free as long as you give me your name and your email address. I put together a non, this is non-scientific, mini self-assessment. It's kind of like a survey you can take. I usually use it as a warm-up on speaking engagements just for mm -hmm. people to start thinking about how they might score in these different areas. So go ahead and give us your uh, website here. And then I will also make sure that it gets into our notes page as well for people. So when they're on Spotify or whatever online, they can find it right there and get the clickable link. Sure. It's R-M for more. R-M-O-O-R-E at... Oh, I'm giving my email address at <laughs> eqicoach.com. All you need for my website is eqicoach.com. Okay, so let's go back. That's eqicoach.com. I was giving you my email address. <laughs> How funny. <laughs> well, at least they know this is not scripted now. <laughs> I've also written, that's good. I've also written a book, which you can see also on my website and it's sold on Amazon that has the 16 skills in there, as well as stories, true stories from how I worked with people to increase the different skills. So we know that coaching can help. So when we start to think about coaching help us, helping us understand how to improve a little bit better, what, I guess it depends on where we need to improve once we take the assessment. So there's different things that we can improve on. Right. So I guess I'm trying to find out here, what's, what's a way that some things, can you give us a couple of examples if we need to improve? Let's just take a couple yes. of the, uh, the, the scales out there. If we're weak in one, what can we do to another? Just to give our, our listeners an idea, and then they can hopefully sign up and uh, take, the, uh, take an assessment, at least, as you said, the non-scientific version, non-validated. Yes. Let's start with self-regard, which I changed in that ACE acronym to call confidence, just to make an acronym. Self-regard is the foundational skill. If you don't have enough of it, you're not going to be able to build any of the other skills. You have to have enough of it. So let's say you've determined or you pretty much think you don't have enough of it. And remember, the definition is this. I know I'm really good on this hand at these things. Mm -hmm. On this other hand, I need to improve these things. But knowing what I'm good at and what I need to improve, I can integrate that and still love and accept myself. So it's like you're, I had to heal from my perfectionism to be better at this skill, right? I had Because you were be... so good over here in the perfectionism that you were weaker in this one. Am I right? Well, I was just too hard on myself. I wasn't self-accepting. I had to become self-accepting. How do I say this? I resemble that remark. <laughs> okay, so here's the exercise I did. And I had, listen, I had, a, I was, this is so exciting. I had a client do this the other day. He's in training and development, by the way. And he was, he had some shyness about speaking, um, even though, you know, like it was when he had to be spontaneous, not, you know, he could do it when he had planned out, but if he had, uh, he joined Toastmasters so he could speak on his feet. He said that in doing this 30 days, and I saw it, I saw it totally transform his confidence. You take a stack of index cards and you're going to write one thing. You could, it could be an accomplishment. 
it could be a quality. So like, for example, I am, I am well-trained was one of mine that I wrote down. You know, when I, when I couldn't believe in myself, I could at least say I had good teachers. I had the best, you know, I have a great coach. <laughs> I have a good speaking voice. I, I, I have, uh, I'm smart, you know, whatever you, something positive you put on each card. And you try to get as many cards as possible. Sometimes when I start coaching with someone, Greg, they can only do five cards. Wow. Then maybe the next time it's 10. Then maybe the next time it's 15. I'm always asking them, okay, how many now? Let's, let's push and let's keep increasing those. Okay. And if you don't know, you can ask a friend or somebody very close to you to help you with this. But you take this and you look in the mirror. This is the hard part for some people. I've gotten really good at it just because I'm used to it now, but it was awkward for me at first. And you read these cards out loud while looking at yourself in the mirror. Why do you do that? Because it's going to drive this down into your unconscious. It's kind of like when you and I were talking earlier, Greg, you don't want to just read off. Yeah, I'm really excited today. There's no feeling in it. Right. You're not, are you going to believe yourself? Because Yeah, I'm really excited today. No, you've got to stand in front of the mirror. I am really great at speaking. I am really good at this. And it feels awkward, but your body, your unconscious mind is in your body. And we need your conscious mind and your unconscious mind on board for this to work. And it changes the physiological state within your whole system. It sure does. Yes, yeah. it gets it into your central nervous system. Yeah, it, it's hard to do. But again, you've got to be able to do it almost on command. Yes. And when you can do it on command, then that that's giving you the strength there. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad you understood that. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's, it's interesting because again, it's something that I can turn up and do when I need to. And it's part because I did start doing that a little in front of the mirror because coaches told me to do it years ago. And it's like, I laughed at it. I said, this is stupid. I don't get this, but okay. And I did it. And to this day, I can, I can now do it on command. I can go from <laughs> and turn it on almost immediately when I need to. Uh, the downside is I also can turn it off. And sometimes I turn it off a little too early. And that can be a challenge. <laughs> okay. So give us another area. What's another EQ, um, one of the 16 that's there? Okay, empathy is a very important one. Empathy is our ability, and it's needed today, maybe more than ever. More than ever. Ability to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, see things from their point of view, and not judge them. We don't have to agree with their point of view. We just have to be able to acknowledge it and say, okay, I understand where you're coming from. So I find... So this, okay, this model is gender neutral and culture neutral and race neutral. They have, they have guaranteed that by the way they factor the questions. Okay. Not all assessment tools can say that. This one can. That said, let me give you an example of how empathy and assertiveness interrelate. What I mm -hmm. have noticed, and I'm not the only one, other practitioners of this model have said this, women tend to have, when I, when I uh, assess women, most women, and I was one of them, high, way high in empathy and low in assertiveness. And so when you're 10 points apart or more, you're considered out of balance. And I, I was way out of balance on that. 
And then men, because I, I, I work with a lot of men, like financial advisors, uh, technologists, uh, people in cybersecurity, um, people in engineering, insurance, they tend to be the flipped, just the opposite. They're way high in assertiveness and low in empathy and they're out of balance. And we need both to be in balance. And let me give you the definition of assertiveness because that's important. Most people say, Roberta, I really am assertive. But when we say, can you express your opinion in a non-offensive non way, that's where they drop out. They're like, no, Roberta, I'm offensive. So it's being able to say what you believe and state it in a non-offensive way. And that has to be balanced with your ability to listen to somebody else and not judge what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And you when, you, when you cross that line, you go from assertiveness to aggressiveness. Right. And, and high assertiveness in this model is not aggressiveness. So exactly. Right. This exactly. is that sweet spot the sweet spot between the aggressiveness, which is crossing the line, like you said, and the other side of it, which is sitting there passive. Right. That's not good either. No. So in today's environment, because many of many people around the uh, United States, as well as around the world, are still uh, struggling with the pandemic. Yes. And so, you know, you mentioned earlier about Zoom, just being on camera from the waist up, that type of thing and talking with your hands. I tend to do that as well. Are there any tips that you might give someone that might be able to enhance one of those skills that's done differently when we're virtual or on camera versus when we're sitting across from them at a table or a conference room? Sure. Let me think about that. That's a, that's a, that's a thinking question. <laughs> Why don't I just stick with empathy? Okay? okay. That's a good one. So empathy is also very much about listening to somebody. And then I think on, on a video conference call, like we're doing now, regardless of the platform, you might, it might help to repeat back. You know, you, we used to call that reflective listening, mm -hmm. but it can reassure somebody that you've heard what they had to say. Oh, so what you're, so, so what I hear you saying is mm -hmm. uh, you understand the importance of empathy being in balance with your assertiveness. Maybe if you're in person, you might not say that because you could read the person's body language a little bit better. Maybe they would know, I could imagine they would know that you could see things from their point of view because maybe you, you like leaned in like this, mm -hmm. right? Instead of being laid back. They could tell you care because you're okay. totally focused on them and you don't want to miss anything important. Now that could also, depending on the person again, be taken, you know, somebody's leaning into it may mean that they're just being a little too uh, almost the aggressive side there. Sure. Yep. So yes, you it, have to it's, be it's able finding to that it's being able to find that balance for yourself and and your balance may be different in person. Correct me if I'm wrong here, please. No, you're your correct. balance in person may be different than it might be when you're on a, a Zoom or Teams meeting. Am I right? I, I believe that to be true. And one of the other 16 skills that will help with this is reality testing. So reality testing means, am I taking in information? This is from the uh, decision-making composite or problem solving. Am I, am I accurate in how I perceive and how I see things? Because we all have unconscious bias. And so we have to learn what are my blinders? You know, what are, what what like like me i guess like to give an example i had 
I grew up with this critical mother, right? So when I got my first job as an internal auditor at Monsanto company, and I did a very, very large sample size on a particular audit, the supervisor of that audit wanted his, he, he came to me and he said, why did you do such a big sample size? You wasted a lot of time. I wish I hadn't, but back then I started crying. This was years ago, I was young. <laughs> Okay, because I took it too personally. My personal bias was if any, if any feedback was negative, it meant I did a bad job. And really that's not what he was saying at all. Now that I'm, now that my self-regard is higher, I can look back and my right. reality testing is better. I can see that that wasn't the case. Do you recommend people to have an accountability partner for their EQ? Yes, great question, Greg. I think it's, People think, sometimes people say, I can do it myself, Roberta. And I did write my book to have exercises that people could do on their own. There is nothing like having the synergy of a different pair of eyes coaching you. I did that myself. So, so here's an interesting fact about this tool. When I went to get certified in it, I had to take the assessment. I had hubris, Greg. I'd been in psychology, I'd studied it, I'd been to therapy, I figured, oh, I'm gonna score way at the top. And, and when I did it, I just kind of scored average. I was like, what the heck, why is this? And then I realized, Greg, we do not, nobody teaches us these skills in school. And no. sometimes our parents don't teach us and they don't teach it to you in therapy. If therapists are not, you know, well, maybe some are going to focus on self-regard, but we don't have people focusing on interpersonal relationships, social responsibility, problem solving, stress management, flexibility, optimism, all the 16 in a focused, deliberate way. So what I did was I found somebody who could mentor me and coach me at the same time, Dr. Dana Ackley, and I coached with him for two years. And then... I retook this assessment later, and now I'm scoring in, a, in you know, where I want to be scoring. But I, don't, I could not have done it by myself. It's fascinating. And again, I think the key thing that you brought up is, A, you can't, couldn't have done it by yourself. Okay? I, I go back and I use some sports analogies. Even the greatest professional athletes have specific types of coaches within their realm, whether yes. it's a strength and conditioning coach, a batting coach, a pitching coach. They've got people that can focus with them on that. And that's so critical. So there's that. It's also being able to ask for help uh, is a key element. And then a third one is just recognizing um, the fact that you have the baseline and wherever you start does not mean that's where you will always be. Right. That's so true. Oh, wow. This is fascinating. I mean, we've got a lot covered in here. If they want to know more, they can definitely go to your website, eqicoach.com. And I'll put that again in the notes, uh, in the uh, bio sheet for everybody. And of course, they can always look for you on LinkedIn, uh, Roberta, R-O-B-E-R-T-A, more M-O-O-R-E on LinkedIn. Is that right? Correct. Awesome. This has just been fascinating. I'm, I'm so enthralled with everything here because we touched on things about getting the breathing in place. We talked about the, the, the elements, the three P's, the four elements of uh, uh, emotions and getting them all in play. And it's, it, it's great to understand a lot of this. I've heard it over the years. 
you put it into a very succinct model. So thank you very much for that. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Guys, once again, you know, on the Teamwork Advantage, we give you things that you can use both every day in work and every day in your home life. And I hope today Roberta was able to bring some of that to you that you can recognize through your emotional intelligence and your emotional quotients that are really, really powerful tools for you to use in both avenues and how one can strongly impact the other. You know, when you listen to the Teamwork Advantage once a week, you realize that you are not average. And like I always say, having a good day is just being average. By listening to the Teamwork Advantage, we know you're not average. So go make it an excellent and exceptional day. Take care. Till next week, we'll see you then. Bye-bye. This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.